Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracing. And I'm Corbin Heller. And it's been a minute as Corbin and I have had essentially almost back-to-back like vacations. Um, so I was gone for a, a, a week or so of recording. Corbin was just gone, but now we're back. Much as uh, as the Christ, we have risen. Um, unlike the bread I'm eating, we have risen, and and we are we are back at it, um, fully satiated in terms of our meals and our uh, interactions with our various religions for the weekend. And we're back to talk about the thing that matters most in our lives: sports, balls. Here to talk about balls. I like balls. Balls are pretty good. Uh, so as we're recording this, it is uh, April 17th. We are a couple weeks into the MLB regular season. Uh, and we actually just passed the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier and becoming the first, uh, I was going to say black ball player, but black and non-white, I think, to be a little bit more, to be specific and more general. Uh uh, April 15th was the actual anniversary. There was uh, a little bit of concern that we wouldn't get to that date given the lockout situation, but the lockout was resolved. That date happened, and we got to see all the 42 jerseys, which is a blast. Um, we've talked about Jackie Robinson Day every year on the podcast. So because we've, we've done a lot of the stuff that one would t- typically think to do, uh, just real quick, uh, for a conversation in general, because we have talked about Jackie a lot. Um, it is a little bit. And it's going to sound bad. And I want to hear your your thoughts. It feels a little bit more hollow this year than in years past. And I think it's because of our better understanding. And I mean, our speaking probably specifically of the two of us and the white consuming baseball crowd in general. Uh, just how disparate that the gap is between black ball players and white ball players and then black front office people and black managers and their white counterparts, because I mean, black representation in the dugout and like managing the game is very, very small. Dusty Baker. Um, oh my God. The fucking guy in, in Dave Roberts, Jesus Christ. I couldn't think of it for a second. Ah, is that it? Uh, I know Ron Washington's got a position somewhere. Yeah, I know um, he's somewhere, but it's not a it's not a lot of guys. Like and it, those are guys that have been around for decades. It's not like there's Dusty Baker should any, be retired. Yeah, like for himself, not like for us. Ron, like he, Ron Washington should be retired too. That too. That's the other thing. If he gets a job, it's like, yeah, he probably could have had this job like 40 years ago, but whatever. Give it to him now. Um, And it's almost tough because it's like, what? Yeah, of course, we always what? What? How old do you think Ron Washington is? 67. Wow. 69. He I mean, he looks like he's 95 years old. I mean, he was a ball player in like the 80s. Right. So, you know, that man lived. Yeah. You know that man had a life. Um, I would have thought that man was in his eighties. 
No, I because Dusty Baker is still, I think, still barely in his 70s, right? I think Dusty isn't Dusty Baker like 72. Oh my god, I thought he was way older. Okay. All right, yeah, because I, I knew I knew Washington was younger than him. Damn, actually, that's a lot closer than I thought they were. Whatever, doesn't matter. How, how would you describe uh, David Roberts, David Dave Roberts' ethnicity? He's uh, he's, he's a black half, man. He's half black, half Asian, right? Wikipedia only lists him as Japanese. Yeah, I I I, which... I, I figured it was yeah. I didn't even know he was Japanese, which is why it's so surprising. But yeah, Japanese mother, African father. Yeah, it's like how uh, I had Hugh no Darvish idea he was Japanese. half Japanese, half. Oh, shit. Uh, something Middle Eastern. I forget what it is, though. Really? That's why his first name or his last name is uh, is not Japanese at all. Darvish is uh, I, I want to say like Afghanistan or Pakistan or. Something like that. Um, Japanese mother and Iranian father. Iranian. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Darvish Sifat. Darvish Sifat. There, yeah, there you go. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, loop, loop him back. We're going to go down a rabbit hole. It's a dangerous thing for did, the two of did us. You, did you know what his first name is actually Farid? Yes, I did know that. I knew because I know his name was like way more um, Muslim than what he uses on the jersey. That's how I, 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 that's a, I know that's a weird way to, to remember that. But like, I know that his name on his jersey isn't the whole name. And I know that the rest of it is like way more Muslim. Also, shout out to Happy Ramadan to all the uh, all of our like six, maybe tops Muslim listeners. But hey, Happy Ramadan, man. I am just so so uh what's the term um i just i don't know anyone's ethnicities i had no idea dave roberts was japanese but regardless right and it's so it's it's like you know we've heard people talk about this a lot again especially in the past few years i know shakia taylor's been been on on banging this drum uh, a lot for the past few years but it's like it's tough to celebrate the moving, the, the progress within the sport if it feels so stinted. The, the, the group of players we have at the major league level is significantly less black than it was 40 years ago. The, the, the uh, faces of GMs and ownership is really, again, like no more black than it was 40 years ago. You know, like it feels as though we've very much so hit a skid in terms of making any progress. So to celebrate that one time that progress was made just kind of forever eventually feels, well, one, way more performative because we're not still actively advancing anything. And two, a little bit more hollow because it feels like we're leaning on it. It's like, ah, oh, we don't need to worry. Look at Jackie. Jack, see the statue of Jackie over there? Why do more? We got Jackie. Everybody knows Jackie. And it's like, no, like I want, I want to celebrate more people. It almost to me feels like no one's 
actively celebrating no one related to mlb or the broadcast is really celebrating it to celebrate it other than just it's jackie robinson day it's april whatever on the calendar that's what we do jackie robinson good guy okay here's a 3-0 pitch and that's a deep drive to left field um it's just you're right where it does feel very empty and that nobody really cares what it actually means. They just care that it's a celebratory day on the calendar and everyone wears 42 and ballparks will give away some shit to get people in the stands. And I think that's the other big part of it where it becomes less about the achievement of breaking of shattering or or bending in some ways. Cause the, you know, the league wasn't fully integrated every team until the, late fifties, early, whenever the Red Sox finally did it, I think I was like 57 or something like that. A, a long time. I'll put it that way. Um, and so it, it, it ends up becoming less about the act of breaking the, the race barrier, which was done by the man, Jackie, Ro- great ball player, great human being, Jackie Robinson. And that's, we're celebrating both a wonderful ball player and that achievement. And then it becomes, but it becomes what, what you said, which is everyone likes Jackie. That was his number. He did a good thing. Let's not get too far into that. And we'll move on. And it's like, that's great. Like that, but it's without going deeper as to baseball was segregated. Here's some conversations that are happening around uh, today in the statistics community about or the baseball history community about how we view pre-integration players, because you don't hear a lot of those caveats on broadcasts. And here's some conversation around the fact that uh, MLB recognized, and there's air quotes on recognized. We've had a conversation about this in the past too. um, the Negro leagues as major leagues. And so here's uh, some of those other icons and how we tie those statistics and, and history into the 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 total baseball story and it really just gets diluted down to look at jackie it's a pretty good guy don't you love that guy i mean would you agree that jackie robinson day is treated almost a tier below shit like father's day weekend or mother's day weekend like it's a whole weekend where we wear blue that's awesome. They have special uniforms. They have special everything. It's like, okay, this year we're all wearing the same color 42. Look at that. I did notice that. Like, ah, yes, Dodger blue 42 really changes mm. everything. It, it does feel a little bit similar. And it's because, and this is a conversation we had so many times, which is why we don't have to burn this. Um, we don't have to go through this too much. We've had so many conversations similar to this, um, which is MLB doesn't want to talk about its icky past and doesn't want to talk about its contributions to segregation and, and race related barriers. And it doesn't want to talk about how difficult it was for black ball players to join their clubs. Uh, because if they do that, they're going to have to say something to the, or they're going to recognize each individual team and the league as a whole we really sucked for the first mm, hundred years we existed and then we're kind of better, but like not really. 
because then you have to list the areas of improvement. And I think the issues that arise and I issues again, I, I say with the um, utmost sarcasm uh, or lack of seriousness is when you admit progress on some front, you also admit that that was a, a weakness and a shortcoming beforehand. Like if you say um, I got better at Excel or something in your day-to-day life, you're also kind of saying like, yeah, I used to kind of suck at using Excel. And it's like, that might be fine. But if you tell it to your boss, like three years into your job and you were supposed to be really good at it, is that a good thing to admit? And if baseball says like, look how much progress we made uh, from five years ago to today on something, I'm not sure they want to admit that they were ever bad on race relations or they were ever, I don't think they want to admit that they were, that there is a currently a race problem in baseball because of uh, whatever systems that they have in place that is preventing more black ownership and more black managers and coaches. I saw you lift your mic up and then put it back down. What was that thought? Uh, Yeah, it was just going to be a question about uh, MLB using Jackie Robinson Day and and anything like that uh, in CBA negotiations, but seeing as they literally have done nothing extra, it it wouldn't make sense for that to be the case. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that they that they could be doing. Uh, again, this is a much longer. We have so much that we missed, and there's so much that happened just in this past week that Corey and I would both like to get to instead of having the constantly infuriating but important conversation about MLB's shortcomings in this area, especially on this holy of anniversary. Uh, praise be. But um, to close it out, there, there's so much more that they could be doing. Uh, Shakia Taylor wrote a very nice article for I think baseball prospectus it was this week that talked about the fact that baseball could do other things than just lean on Jackie's name. Like every team gets to wear their first black players, Jersey numbers, you know, like the Yankee, all Yankees would wear Elson Howard's. Oh shit. I want to say it's 63, but that feels wrong. I don't remember. Um, Oh damn. I have to look it up. Uh, Or uh, you know, all the guardians wear Larry Doby's number. And I don't, I don't remember what Larry Doby's number was Um, or every player gets to pick a number to where that represents uh, an integration 32. I doubled it 32. There we go. I knew 64 felt wrong. I, I somehow managed to double it in my head. Um, but regardless, uh, there are other things that they could do in small, also relatively performative ways, but more meaningful ways that we can save for another time. Um, so moving on to some stuff that happened this week, that is certainly uh more fun, lighthearted, maybe of conversation. Let's uh, want to start with Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. All right. So this was uh, this happened uh, earlier this week. So it, it's it maybe a little bit old hat at this point. I think Kershaw's next start is like tomorrow or the next day or something. So this will immediately, this will shortly be a, a, a full start ago, but his most recent start, uh, he was going for a perfect game after seven innings and got pulled at uh, about 80 pitches by Dave Roberts. 
And this has become a kind of a point of debate around uh, baseball Twitter because the act of the perfect game is so rare. We have but 23 of them out of 220,000 some odd games. So, yeah, super duper fucking rare. And it would obviously it's obviously a major highlight on any pitcher's resume. Like Dave Cohn has, I don't know, three, four World Series rings. But the fact he has a perfect game is so much more the first thing you're going to think of when thinking of David Cohn. Exactly. Or, or like, you know, it's the only Same thing with like, uh, what was it Koufax? Sandy. Yeah. Sandy Koufax was a perfect game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or or it, it makes your entire name relevant a la Dallas Braden. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Very true. He has one war and a perfect game. <laughs> um, um, does Felix? I feel like Felix. Yeah, I think really Felix close. was the. I think Felix was the 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 most recent one because remember, twenty twelve had three perfect games. I think his was the last one. But regardless, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Kirsch, seven innings, thirteen strikeouts. Nothing else, you know, no hits, no walks, no nothing, no hit by pitches. Faced 21 batters, retired them all through 80 pitches. What what do you make of the decision to pull Mr. Kershaw? I think Passon, of course, had the best take on the matter where this is something that is bigger than a singular postseason for your number two or three pitcher. Um, I don't think there's any reason to worry about workload in his second start of the season. Um, I know it was a shortened off season, but this isn't, you know, this is a guy that has proven himself to be, He's had his injury history in the past, sure, but he's also proven himself to be a, a bit of a workhorse at times, and I very much trust him and everything he's shown to be able to get to 100 pitches on the second start of a season when you have the adrenaline of a perfect game on the line, and I think that's such a shitty excuse and a shitty reason to do it when something this big as possible for a guy that has been your team for a decade. Um, I think it's disingenuous towards Clayton Kershaw. I don't like it. I hate it a lot. I, I don't hate it. So I'll start here. It's a normal practice for the first, especially the first start of the season. Um, but for the first few starts of the season also to not hit the hundred pitch mark in modern baseball, especially with a pitcher as used in the past as Kershaw, not unusual to have something like an 80, 80 pitch pitch count. Sorry. I had to like toss that phrase around mm-hmm. in my head for a second. Um, what I will say though, is this. If it was Dave Roberts' decision and it went against Kershaw's wishes, then it's stupid. But if Kersh mm-hmm. told him, like, 
I can't imagine an athlete would do this, but we also don't know quite literally how he feels with well, his shoulder and everything. And I know Kirsch backed him up, but regardless, what I'm trying to get at is if Kirsch said to Roberts, pull me when you got to pull me, I don't care. And Roberts was trying to protect the health of Kershaw. Fine. But this should have, it should have been Kershaw's decision is I think what I, what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Honest, I get it. But honestly, the reaction they showed of Kershaw on the sideline or on the sideline in the dugout, guys were coming up to him, you know, patting him on the back. Just, you know, he seemed really down and to a degree upset by not being able to, to go at it for another, you know, six batters. I don't think that really was his choice. Obviously, we don't know. I mean, Kershaw's the kind of player that is going to do, you know, the right thing and put the team first and not, you know, drag Roberts' name through the, the mud and the muck and all that. But I, it, nothing in the situation that I've seen, you know, obviously I didn't watch the game live, but nothing I've seen afterwards um, makes me believe that Kershaw was actually for this. And that's the tough part is that we're not going to know. And that's why I want to believe that it is, or it would make the most sense anyway, that it is, was Kershaw's decision or at least Kershaw surrendering that, um, that surrendering the decision to Dave Roberts. Cause if, Dave Roberts wouldn't put him out there if Kirsch came up to him and said, I'm dying. I physically can't do this. It would be super neat. Uh, I'm dying. Kirsch, like Dave Roberts wouldn't say, fuck you, you little bitch. Go out there and throw that baseball. You know? And mm-hmm. so there has to be some degree of that. Because I'd also like to believe... That if Kershaw said, and again, I don't fucking know, but I'd like to believe that if Kershaw said to Dave Roberts, fuck you, I've been with this team for like 20 goddamn years. I've got nothing left to prove. I want to throw a perfect game if it kills me. Dave Roberts, I, I like, like you said at the start of this, mm-hmm. I don't know why Dave Roberts would say no to that. Look, you got Kershaw on a one-year deal. You have 90 pitchers who are all amazing. If he gets hurt because he wants to do this to, 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 to chase history, bro, let him like not seriously, yeah. it, let him, which is why the only thing I can rationalize this with is Kirsch said, do what you got to do. No arguments. Only way it makes sense. I agree that if Kershaw would, I just, what jumps out of me is like, I don't think Kershaw is the guy that's going to tell Dave Robert, fuck you. I'm going to go after it. Like he's not Max Scherzer. He's not, you know, Liam Hendricks. He's not a crazy person on the mound, at least at this point in his career. I could just see him being like, Hey, if you gotta pull me, pull me, even though, fuck, I want to do this, but I won't make a big stink about it. I think he's a too good of a guy. Again, fuck do I know. 
if it was you, and again, this goes to this is a little bit of a tough conversation because obviously we are not professional athletes. We don't know how it feels. Um, but are you coming out of the game if you have if you have a say? No. If if I have a say, and even if I don't, I probably would make it very known, well known that I am gunning for that. Like, would you rather, you know, in year 20, would you rather say, hey, I pitched 200 innings, I got 20 wins, or I pitched a perfect game? Perfect game every time. Would you rather have a great season, you know, finish top five in Cy Young or pitch a perfect game? Perfect game every time. Would you rather win a World Series or a perfect game? That one's fucking tough. Having coming off, you know, that one world. All right. So that's what I was going to. All right. In a vacuum, World Series. Given the context of Clayton Kershaw, which I think is the important part here. Perfect game. Because that's the other part of it. If Kershaw was was if Kershaw was Hunter Green for the Reds, young guy, like still getting used to uh, a major league work level. And we need him to be healthy. And the guy who's had recent bad injuries. Right. Like we're going to protect this guy. We are going to not let him throw a hundred pitches in the first start of the year, because we are trying to baby him into this workload. We're not expecting to be good this year. We have no reason to push him this hard. Like let's give him 70, 80 pitches for the first three or four starts. See how the arm feels ramp it up from there if we can, but that's Hunter green. This is his first year in the majors. Clayton Kershaw, this is, I don't know, let's see, season number 15. He got drafted by the Dodgers in 2006. So it's his 16th year, 17th year with the organization. He has already won uh, three Cy Youngs, an MVP, a Triple Crown, a World Series, five ERA titles, a Gold Glove, eight All-Stars, and a Major League Player of the Year award. Mm Mm-hmm. He has every accolade you could reasonably ask the athlete of pitcher to do. What he, I'm sure, would want on his resume. The only thing left is the perfect game. If Kershaw destroyed his arm tomorrow, I'm sure there would be some probably long-term consequences for his quality of life with his left arm. I'm sure. Um but from what I am to understand with a lot of these pitchers who have those types of issues is that for day-to-day responsibilities, probably not going to keep him from taking out the trash, you know? So it's like, if, if that's what I'm risking, ending my career after accomplishing everything I could reasonably ask to accomplish, and then so I am going to the Hall of Fame, fuck you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to destroy myself going for that perfect game. If... In the context of Clayton Kershaw, if he went for it and on the final pitch that ended up becoming the 27th out of a perfect game, you tear your UCL and now have to go into your age. How old is he? It has to go into 34. your age. 
35-year-old season coming off Tommy John. Or as a 34-year-old, you have to now recover from Tommy John surgery and make a comeback. After pitching for 15 seasons, would you still have gone for the perfect game knowing you got it while doing tearing your UCL on the, you know, on the final you know, pitch of a perfect You know what this actually reminds me of? The end of CC Sabathia's career. I don't recall. He dislocated or, or tore something. I forget if it was his shoulder or his, or his elbow. Like in the playoffs, trying to like throw a hundred, you know, like he wrecked. And that was all that was a whole thing for him because he was like, I've never had arm injuries. Like all all of CC's injuries had always been leg injuries. And 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 uh, he tried to like muscle through. I think it was a dislocated shoulder that he just tried to like hurl through because he was fucking CC. Like he was a he was a warrior on the mound. It was the playoffs and he wanted it. And then, and he tried, he, he only left that game because it was medically necessary that he did. So same thing happened to Nolan Ryan arm died on the mound. So I don't think it's even unprecedented. And I, I don't think it's something like that you're going to regret. And also look at CC Sabathia today. Like he fucked up his arm trying to win a world series and now he's he's in the best shape of his goddamn life. So it definitely hasn't prevented him from having, you know, some quality of life after the injuring. And I'm sure if you asked him, no regrets. So what would you answer that question as? How would you? God, I am so fucking bad at the English language. How would you answer that question? I, I would be thrilled if, if I hurt my arm on the final pitch of a perfect game and got the perfect game and had to rehab. Don't give a shit. Don't give a hundred percent. If I ended my career tearing my UCL, having a horrible recovery ahead of me, but knowing I was able to reach the pinnacle of the craft, the art that you've been striving to reach for your entire life. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, which again uh, is why the only thing I could see being the reason for why Kirsch got pulled is he gave the edict to Dave Roberts to say, "I don't give a shit." And that's why I, I my opinion is so firmly same reason, but my opinion is completely flipped. Of if. There's no way Clayton Kershaw would wouldn't go for it. I just don't see how he could look at his career and look at his goals and just think, you know, I just kind of want to save my arm for the rest of the season. Unless I mean, we, right, we won't know. Here's... We won't know unless he breaks out of whatever and uh, admits to it. Here, here's the I guess devil's advocate case for why Kirsch would do that goes back to a question you asked perfect game or world series dude picks rather world, have series. The world series yep. only other thing I could think of yeah uh, 
All right. Well, well speaking, speaking of perfect of. games, <laughs> we're on the same wavelength right here. Would you do it to have oh. two in a row? <laughs> Roki Sasaki of the uh, the the uh, NPB, the, the the Nippon Professional Baseball League, pitching for um, the Lot Marines, the Chiba Lot Marines, has thrown seventeen perfect innings, getting pulled one inning shy of having back to back perfect games, which I cannot even wrap my fucking head around. <laughs> By the way, he's fucking 20. I I know it was 102 pitches, and I know he's a young pitcher, but you would have to put chains around me to stop me, what, two innings short of a... You'd have to kill one me. Inning short. You'd have to kill me. Two back-to-back <laughs> -back perfect games would be the pinnacle of baseball achievement in the history of the sport. I don't know how you could possibly say that an individual achievement is greater. A perfect game on LSD is insane, but pitching two back-to-back -back is unheralded. I mean, honestly, pitching one, as we just said, and the NPB is no fucking joke. It's not like he did this in like winter ball somewhere or in the Arizona fall league. Like this is and the NP goddamn big. And it's not like there's been 50 or 60 of them, uh, you know, in this league compared to others. I think it's a very, very similar number. Uh, list of NPB no hitters. Let's see. I think the last perfect game. Oh, sorry, that's no hitters. I, was, I meant to look up perfect games. And the one, there was only like two in the 70s. And then there was one in 94 and then this one. So in the past 50 years, there's been four. I looked it up. So uh, Roki Sasaka has one. Yeah, there was one in 94. So that's two, three, four, five. Uh, six, seven, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And it looks like that's it, 14, including Roki Sasaki last week. <laughs> and then almost Roki Sasaki again this week. <laughs> oh my fucking God, man. I just I thought oh I my God. It the first like two times I saw it on Twitter. Like, I thought it was just still talking about the same game. And it's like, oh, yeah, like people are still talking about this young kid or these are old tweets or whatever. But, oh, my fucking God, that's unbelievable. I, I could only see it being, you know, again, like similar of like, I, I could only see him being okay with it if he was just like, my arm is about to fall off. Well, I, and you know, it's I, a ridiculous. It's a ridiculous circumstance because it's also like I just did this shit a start ago. Take me out, you know? Yeah. What I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. context of that too. It's like I just did this shit. Like whatever, yeah. man. I'll do it again next time. Could you imagine if he just pitched another perfect game? But that's what I'm like saying. Like, like, why not? I, dude, I can't. 
even wrap my fucking head around it. That level of dominance. Like we well, we talk about a perfect game and how much luck and skill is involved in, in that. And it's a lot of luck too. Like let's and is great defense behind you, you know, all that type of shit. And you know, we talk about the the big strikeout games. You know, we talk about like uh, oh that fucking guy at the goddamn Cubs. Oh, do you know who I'm fucking talking about? The 20 strikeout game. Yeah. Oh I god, something with name. a K. Kerry Wood. Kerry Wood. And like, what a stupid, ridiculous game that was, dude. I, I mean, this this kid, because like, and I've, I almost feel bad calling him a kid. He's twenty. Man was born in the year two thousand one. Fuck you. That's amazing. That's so goddamn amazing. He has two starts, right? Did I just misread that? Oh, no, sorry, three games. So he's three starts, and. He, and, and he has 42 strikeouts. He's pitched 23 innings. And he has 43 strikeouts, 42 strikeouts, two walks, seven hits, one hit by pitch, and he's allowed four runs. That's it. He has a strikeout to walk ratio of 21. Oh, and by the way, all those hits, runs, and walks were in his first start, and then that's been it. That's been, that's been it. So his first start of the year was six innings, seven hits, four runs, two walks, uh, and and a hit by pitch. And then it's been nothing, nothing since then. I can't even wrap my goddamn head around that. That's amazing. So 27 plus 26. So it's 40. I think it's been 44 straight retired batters. Shit. No, 52, right. 52 straight batters. I just yeah. saw an article. 52 retired batters straight. That's stupid. And with the strikeout numbers, too, it's not even like like we're talking about uh, like a crafty lefty who pitches in a very like 1930 style way where it's like a lot of ground balls or, you know, it's like a high contact, low power league, which I mean, MPB is a much higher contact much higher contact and, and and a lower power league, but it's not like it's like unrecognizable baseball. You know what I mean? Like it's still very much. So, you know, people swinging for, for power, they just, it's a slight, slight difference in being inside out versus being kind of an uppercut uh, and your approach to the small ball angles. But regardless, like how, how do you know what the MLB record for consecutive batters retired is? No idea. 46 over eight games. Eight. Yeah. Oh, my God. Two starts and six uh, relief appearances in the middle. Oh, my God. We're talking three games. Two and a half games. For 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 Sasaki. Oh my that's god, that's so amazing. stupid. That's just absolutely amazing. Uh, I saw it asked, but I didn't see if anyone responded with an answer. When is he eligible for international signing? No idea. I have absolutely no idea. Baseball. 
Hold on, I'm just trying to find. So his first one. When was the first game that he did this on? Hold on. And it's, and it's crazy because in this first one, he did a, nine, a, a perfect game with 19 strikeouts. And part of the idea. <laughs> unbelievable number. <laughs> but that's the thing. So like Kerry Woods, 20 strikeout game. And hold on, let me pull up the, the Kerry Wood game stats real quick. Kerry Woods, 20K game. 98. Uh, baseball reference. Uh, the box score. Here we go. Yes, it was 1998. May 6, 98 against the Houston Astros back when they were a National League team. And Kerry Woods' final line was nine innings pitched. And he let up a hit and 20 strikeouts. And that was it. Um, that was it. 122 pitches. That, that was it. He had, it was, uh, I guess, really just the one. He had the, the one hit and he, and he hit Craig Biggio. And I think the, the looks like the, looks like the third and balked twice. Wow. Who gives a shit about that? Uh, so two base runners away and, and I think 18 more pitches. And so, but regardless, like, like all the, the luck and skill barely missing a perfect game and getting one more strike. This kid, oh my God, he's 20. Perfect game, which means impeccable defense and control because Kerry Wood, for all of the his stuff, managed to hit Craig Biggio. No hit batters, no walks. I, I mean, and still the swing and miss stuff to generate the strikeouts because that's league, what was that's... impressive about Kerry Wood. Like, to be able to strike out 20 guys is a ridiculous talent. And when you move the ball that much, you have a higher propensity, theoretically and usually practically, to allow more walks or to hit batters. Mm -hmm. Because with enough movement to do something like that, it's tough to control. Can you look up uh, Max Scherzer's um, strikeout-to-walk ratio? Yeah, sure. Because... Some numbers here uh, to put in con- con- put it into context. Uh, we give some shit to uh, um, Bill James. You want career uh, number, or do you numbers. want like a, a high number or any specific season? Uh, a career number or the last Cy Young, either or or both. I don't know. Uh, career number strikeout to walk ratio of four point four five. Uh, his most recent Cy Young season, which was 2017, 4.87. His career best, though, uh, was not a Cy Young year. 2015, 8.12, led all of baseball. Got it. So for comparison, the MPB has a league-wide strikeout rate of 21% compared to MLB's 23%. He has... Uh, Sasaki has a career slash line of a 1.78 ERA, a 6.14 strikeout to walk ratio, and a 31.4% strikeout rate. That's insane. But the, the Bill James has a, a metric called game score for a nine uh, yes. The MLB's highest is Kerry Woods 
105. Sasaki's was 106. Unfucking real. That's just unfucking real. And again, just, this is not some like rinky dink podunk weirdo league. These skills translate very readily. Like, look at the the fucking the the, the Cubs outfielder. Um. Oh my god. Uh. Oh god. Uh. Say Seiya Suzuki. Seiya Suzuki is off to a killer start to the season. Lamasa Hiro Tanaka came over. He was fantastic his mm-hmm. entire career with the Yankees. Like this is a, this is a really, it's the it's it's there's a reason that if uh, a major league ball player is having a hard time getting signed with an MLB team, their first stop is usually NPB. It's it's like, you know, right behind MLB in terms of the the I guess talent pool. Like mm-hmm. it's real shit to do this shit to do a. Back to fucking back. We'd be talking about this already if it was like the second in his career and it was like four years apart, five years apart. Back to back starts. It's like, imagine, imagine you're a fucking uh, Chiba Lot Marines fan and you saw that uh, Sasaki had a perfect game and you're like, oh shit, I got to see this guy go pitch. I'll buy tickets to his next start. And then he almost just kind of does it again. I would be fucking furious as a fan if he doesn't come out for that ninth inning. If you see some other guy run out from that bullpen, I would be fuming. And it's so funny, though, because like the only the only possible reason I can imagine he didn't come out for the ninth is because he just did it in his last start. And that's so stupid. That's amazing. That's so dumb that that could possibly happen. I don't need to throw another perfect game in the same week. Ah, I threw enough pitches pitches today. I'm good. I, I, I can't even wrap my fucking head around that. I wonder what the drink, drinking age is in Japan and if it's also 21. Because It would does be not matter to him. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> to him, it should not matter. The police should not be allowed to arrest you for like a six-day span after performing such a... Like, Japanese government write a one-off law that fits just for him. Just like, this man is allowed to drink at 20. He gets to do... Literally anything short of murder for the next week, he deserves to just let loose. Uh, by the way, I can tell you why he didn't come out for the ninth inning. Why? Uh, because the Marines lost that game. That game was tied after the eighth. It went into to extra innings, went to the tenth, tied 0-0. And then the Nippon Ham Fighters ended up winning it in the in the tenth. Um, after a walk and then a hit leading to eventually an earned run off the glove of uh, Nishino um, off the bat of uh, Manami. I don't know anyone's first name. Sorry. And uh, Kondo got the walk. So he was the RBI or he was the, um, the run. So I that's why I could he could not out. imagine pitching nine perfect innings. 
just to have your team lose. And like, like what happens if you pitch a nine, nine inning perfect game, and it's nothing, nothing. You're at, you know, ninety five pitches, and it's just like, do I, do I get credit for a perfect game, one, and it, do I have to keep going? And what happens if I I blow it up in the tenth because I'm at 125 pitchers or whatever. Like I think that's happened what? in like old timey baseball dueling no hitters have have gotten t- have gotten taken into extra. I know we've had dueling no hitters, but like a perfect nine inning game that is lost in the tenth inning. But you know what? what? No, I I totally get that for why that wouldn't why they took him out. Well, oh, what happens? Uh, well, it's not a perfect game. Because actually, shit, didn't that happen to Pedro? Didn't that happen to Pedro Martinez? Didn't he take a perfect game into like extras and then um, like he got a hit let up in the 10th, but it didn't count because it's not he a, didn't the game wasn't done. Game. And yeah, yeah, yeah and the, the, the game wasn't perfect because the game isn't nine innings. It's as long as it takes. I think that's probably the rationale. It just rationale. goes to nine innings. Yeah, like, like we don't say, uh, um, you know, a football game is just 60 minutes. It's If it goes to overtime, you know, that's the whole game. So. I would be. Beside myself. I would need to be restrained in the locker room. If that. Oh, were, yeah. Dude, I am not. I'm, I am I'm unhinged not angry, already. I am not an angry or violent person. But oh my god, I would be throwing bats across the room. I would be no, I'd be walking up and down the 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 bench, uh, you know, in in the in the the half innings, like fucking Patton in the goddamn medical tent, slapping bitches upside the fucking head for not getting me hits. <laughs> would you immediately walk into the manager's office and demand a trade? No, but I get would me to off of this no. fucking team. But it, I, I would if I was uh, I who know, who Sasaki. do we play on my next scheduled start? Trade me to them right now. I am oh, beating all of your ass. I would go to whoever Sasaki's manager would be. And I'd be like, you get to go in that fucking locker room and tell those dumb sons of bitches to get me fucking hits because I'm not going fucking out there. I will <laughs> not throw games for these sons of bitches. <laughs> I will not throw another pitch for this organization unless every player who is in that game lines up and lets me slap them across the face as I go down the line. I ain't pitching <laughs> past the fifth with a fucking lead. You hear me, bitch? <laughs> if my ass sits down at the end of the fifth and we ain't up, my ass ain't getting back up for the sixth. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know why Max Scherzer has not done that. Uh, I don't know, but I don't know if he's been in the position. I just can't think like I can't visualize any other pitcher like being that unhinged. That's I mean, that's that that takes a next level. I mean, granted, pitchers are crazy people in general, but that yeah, that would take a next level of 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 crazy. Um, Yeah, man, I'm just looking at the, 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 the two starts. Nine innings, 27 batters faced the minimum. 
19 strikeouts, eight innings, 24 batters faced the minimum 14 strikeouts. It's just unfucking real, man. It's just unfucking real. And what's wild is the team is eight and eight. They're not even like it's like they're they're wrecking and tearing up the league. They're only eight and eight. They lost that second game. Oh, I do not hear you. Sorry, I was muted. I have a follow-up question that is equally ridiculous and hypothetical. Would you rather lose out on a perfect game by um, having to go into extra innings and losing it after nine innings or lose it the way Galarraga lost it, which was just purely a blown call and you actually pitched a perfect game? Lose it in extras. I would so much rather lose it in extras. Like, deserve the loss, lose it in extras every time. That Galarraga one's fucking heartbreaking. Because at least if you lost in extras, you could at least say, like, I pushed myself yeah. beyond the limit and couldn't get it done in that way with heavy air quotes. Galarraga did it. He actually did it and got fucked in the ass by a shitty ump. I don't want someone to have to write a book and make a documentary about how hard (laughs) they fucked me out of a once in a lifetime achievement. Would you rather have lost it the way Galarraga lost it and have that heartbreak or be Clayton Kershaw and stop after eight innings? Kershaw, honestly, I can't imagine anything worse than the Galarraga one. Your team is up. You did it. Eight and two-thirds innings, pitched perfect. Lazy ground ball to second. You did it. No, you didn't. Fuck you. Game still goes. Ump blew the call at first. For some reason, it's not reviewable. I can't imagine anything. Because it's not like the game was tied. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You would have. What that would that was it, that was it. I'd so much rather be Kershaw than Galarraga. I can't imagine a, a worse nightmare for a pitcher than Galarraga. Okay, final hypothetical: lose it in extras on your own accord, um, after pitching nine perfect innings, or stop after eight innings and still have perfect, perfect eight innings. Lose it after in the tenth. Perfect eight innings with a lead, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think I'd I'd rather just again lose it in extras. Yeah, I think I'm in that boat too. Because at least you at can least say you know. I pitched a perfect game. Well and and then it just know didn't for work sure. out. Like there's no yeah. doubt. Because like if you sat down the eighth, and even if your team won the game, you're gonna think for the rest of your life, what if I pitched those last three outs? <laughs> I know right. I could have got those last three. You can still you can go to sleep tonight after pitching nine and two thirds perfect innings that you pitched nine and two thirds perfect innings. Right. And Kershaw has to think I didn't do anything. This is this is a nothing game. No one a, will remember this game outside of the headlines. It's a very different feeling for an athlete from even, you know, just your and my like limited experience with like high school athletics to have the thought of my head of I fucked up in that game, 
versus I didn't even get the chance. You know, there's a huge difference between saying, uh, ah, I lost that perfect game because of this dumb pitch, which is super normal. Like, it's normal to have that bad pitch, that bad swing, that bad pass, whatever. That's normal. And it sucks, and eventually you get over it. What's a lot harder to get over is, I can't believe I didn't. I'll never know. I'll never know if I could do that thing. Like if you um if you missed a a, a meet because you were hurt or because something happened, or um you know so, something you didn't get the chance to compete, uh for whatever reason you got subbed out for at the last second whatever, mm-hmm. not knowing. Not knowing is so much harder to get over because of the hypothetical nature than trying to say, I wish I could take that pitch back so much harder. Mm. I want to go find Armando Galarraga and just give him a hug. I, uh, he deserves <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I am so excited. Like, uh, Roki Sasaki's next start is going to be heavily viewed outside of the nation of Japan, I am sure. Um, I'm so excited for him. Imagine if he gave up like five runs in the first. Just honestly, yo, his his ERA at the end of the season could be five and a half, and it doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. (laughs) Seriously, nearly he nearly pitched two perfect games and got one. That doesn't matter. Anything else? He's still gonna get taken stupid high in the. Well, well, it's not a draft. That was, that was he, another thing I looked up. It might be the draft in future years. If oh, he yeah. wants to avoid the international bonus pool, he won't be eligible until 2027. Damn. Um, oh, he'd still only be 25. Sucks. Yeah. He'd still only be. Tw- that's fucking crazy. He's or so he can, or he can just say, "Hey, I just won't sign a massive contract," and we'll see how it goes. Oh man, it's just such exciting shit. But all right, yeah. So we've exhausted a lot of energy talking about perfect game stuff. Um, obviously, a lot has happened in the baseball world. Uh, one one other thing, and then we'll probably start wrapping up uh, because there's another fun little uh, well, why did that happen conversation, and that is uh, yesterday as we're recording this. So I guess uh, Saturday, as 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 you're listening to it, this past Saturday, Joe Madden pulled out a Barry Bond special, and with one out in the bottom of the fourth, uh, with the bases loaded, and the Angels down three to two, Joe Madden intentionally walked Corey Seager with the bases loaded to bring in a run, and put the Angels down in that game four to two. And what has been seen as a well, obviously bizarre decision because you you just don't see that every day. Um, and it's led fans to say, well, okay, weird. Um, now, you could also say, I guess it worked. The Angels won that game nine to six. So, no, I- I refuse to allow there to be any 
line drawn where that is the correct decision to be made. So I, I turn it to you, Corwin. Tell, tell me what you think of this. What the fuck? Joe Madden, man. I don't, I'm, I don't dig hard drugs, but I'll take whatever you're having because you are a crazy person. You are just two steps into dementia. Like, I, what on earth? He's the only guy to intentionally walk someone with the bases loaded since Barry Bonds, and he's done it now with two different teams. Yeah, he did it in 08 with the with the rate with the the Rays too, I believe. And it, it, so just just to fully set the table, um, Corey Seager, okay, uh, left-handed batter going up against a right-handed pitcher. So from the dexterity play, I, I guess, I guess you you get it from there and then behind him in the lineup that day was Mitch Garver who bats righty so I guess you go all right righty righty better than lefty lefty but oh god the the risk so I'll, so I'll let you continue just wanted to add that layer in there I mean Barry Bonds what year do you know what year it was that he was intentionally walked like with the bases loaded I want to say it was 1998 so approaching the prime of his career, most home prime, runs ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking regardless, you know, he's the guy that hits 72 home runs in a season. Corey Seager hasn't topped 20 in five years. 2017 was the last time he did it and he hit 22. Corey Seager isn't a power hitter anymore. He has a pretty good OPS, but he also walks a very good amount hits for average and gets a pretty good pop on the ball. If he, he gets, you know, under it, he doesn't hit for power. I, I just, who do you think he is? Well, are you just Tony La Russa at this point And you're just managing off of MLB, the show 2016. <sighs> And what I want to add to why else this is weird, because it's it's that and it's also the marginal difference between the player at the plate and the next player, because when we talk Barry Bonds, it's like one guy is literally actually Barry fucking Bonds. And then it doesn't matter who's number two, because the gap between the two of them is fucking colossal, because guess what? It is Barry fucking Bonds. (laughs) The gap between the best offensive baseball player of to ever time. play baseball all time and whoever the Giants' sixth batter was in 1998 is about as good of a difference as you can find, short of Wayne Gretzky and his brother. Any, yeah, I was going to say his brother, but like any yeah. beer league baseball player. So honestly, hockey even player. If- even if the guy after Barry Bonds was like prime Mark McGuire, <laughs> still doesn't matter. Could have could have been Mike Trout. Oh well. <laughs> so what? So the next guy is Mitch Garver, and it's like, and this is the part that I can't get past is the marginal difference. So Corey Seager, career split. I'm gonna look at on base instead of batting average for the whoa, time whoa, being. Whoa, whoa, before we continue, weren't they losing too? Yeah, Angels are down, and there's only one out, not two. So they're down 3-2. They get intentionally intentionally walk Corey Seager, then on 4-2. So Corey Seager, 
career on base against right-handed pitching uh, is is three seventy nine. Uh, Mitch Garver career on base versus right-handed pitching three thirty eight. So we're looking at about a forty one point difference in on base percent. Now forty one point difference in on base percent is a nice difference. Is it worth giving up a run though? Because that's the question. If we're trying to compare who's better, that is a statistically significant difference between the two of them. Like Corey Seager is obviously better against right-handed pitching, but is only 41 points of OBP worth an entire run? Because I I don't think it is. I'm not I'm not saying we should, but or can't we do the math to find out? Like, isn't there a runs created formula to find yeah, but, out? Yeah, oh, it'd be so many inputs, I and I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, why I, really, I, I reacted really that with. To. I'm not saying we should, but well, I, I here, think it's possible to find that number. Here, here's a here's a neater way of doing it. So the slugging uh, percent is is also it's a similar gap um, versus right-handed pitching. Corey Seager five nineteen for his career. Um, Mitch Garver. 481 so again that's 38 points of difference so again Corey Seager with a little more pop so the the total OBP difference Corey Seager just shy of 900 898 Mitch Garver uh, 819 so again a nice difference but the TOPS plus of it 107 versus 97 like it's it's not it's not like it's a huge difference and TOPS plus can be pretty reliable because uh, in this instance these guys OPS plus career is 124 and 131 like they're close enough that we can judge it pretty readily off of that and i i i just man i just don't fucking get it i uh, i just it worked out we can say i guess but that it, it worked like out in spite of of how it played out rather than in spite of this decision rather than because of it. Right. Like you, you got so lucky. So let me pull up that inning. Hold on. That was the, I said it was the fourth inning, right? Third inning. Uh, Sure. Oh, shit. Where'd it go? Okay, it was the bottom of the fourth. All right, so Reed Deep Myers is the starting pitcher. Uh, Nate Lau grounds out 6 3. And then Andy Abanios comes up, hits a single. So we got a runner on. Nick Solak gets hit by a pitch. So Abanios moves to second, got two runners on. Charlie Culberson comes in, hits a double. Abanias and Solak both score. So now we just got Culberson on second. Eli White comes in. He hits a single. So now we got runners at first and third. That's when Austin Warren comes in to replace Dietmeyer. So now Austin Warren comes in, and Marcus Simeon walks. So now we got the bases. Now we got the bases loaded. And by the way, our, uh, Austin Warren has thrown four pitches. So it's not even all balls. Just immediately walks him. Yeah, and. Uh, but it's also like he's only thrown four pitches. Like this is not the guy who was struggling and let everybody else go through. And if if he's not just like 
given a pit, like he's thrown four pitches, all of them are for balls. Why not just let him keep pitching if it seems that his issue is getting it in the strike zone? Worst case scenario, he walks him. That and like you brought him in knowing Corey Seager was coming up to the plate. So does that also mean like did Joe Madden plan on walking Corey Seager the whole time? Because you brought in a righty knowing, I guess, that you were most afraid of Corey Seager in the lineup. So why do that? Unless you planned on walking him the whole time. Also, and I know this is a pretty small sample size because uh, Austin Warren has not been in the majors very long, but his career split versus left-handed batting, he has allowed an OPS of 472, an on-base of 222, a slugging of 250, six total bases. Um, granted, only 27 plate appearances, but he's good against left-handed batting to start the season. So also weird from that angle. So anyway, after that, Mitch Garver comes up, hits a fly ball. So a run scores anyway. Ad- Adelise Garcia comes up. Adam Warren balks in a run. And then uh, uh, Adelise Garcia hits a, a, a foul pop fly that gets caught for the final out of the game. So again, did it work? Act- no, honestly, fucking no, it didn't like outs got made because baseball's hard. Like you can't take credit for a, a, a foul out. Yeah. Um, how old is Joe Madden? Is he on his uh, way out? Oh, he's going to, they, can they send him up to the farm? I'm going to guess 72. What's your guess for Joe Madden? 69. Joe Madden is 68. Nice. He's got to go. Yeah, Joe. You uh, you broke a nice curse. You won some rings for whatever. Um, yeah, let's move on. Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing is this really is gut managing in the worst way because you cannot back this decision up rationally with real math. That's the part that bothers me about it. Like, like I said, we can sit here and go through the numbers and I can tell you in what will be a very unsurprising fashion that Corey Seager is a better hitter than Mitch Garver. But that doesn't mean anything when we're talking about the marginal difference between players in terms of how likely they are to create runs in different instances. Like this was the wrong way to incorporate. If he did any math into this discussion, like, uh, and let's just, I just want like a one other thing. Batted ball. Ground ball percent. Mitch Garver for his career. 38 Corey Seager 43 for his career. Who do you want coming up with the bases loaded? A guy that's going to hit into a lot of ground balls so you can turn double plays. And Corey Seager 5% higher career average than Mitch Garver. 
Uh, Mitch Garver, fly ball percent, 42 and a half. Corey Seager, 33 and a half. Who hit a fly ball that brought in a run? Mitch Garver. So who would you rather have at the plate with one out and the bases loaded? Probably Corey Seager. Mitch Garver, not bad against lefties. Or sorry, against, against righties. Corey Seager, good against righties, but a higher ground ball propensity. Mitch Garver, a higher fly ball propensity. And with the ability to score a runner on and out, and uh, especially from third base, give me the ground ball guy. Oh, boy. Would you rather have Joe Madden or Terry Francona? Not Terry Francona. Um, Tony LaRusso. Fuck you. <laughs> Joe Madden. Yeah, touche. Yeah. Or Terry Francona. Still Joe Madden, I think. Really? Okay. Yeah. I like Terry. Terry seems fine. Uh, Joe Madden seems fun. Joe Madden seems like the uh, a wild man in the best way. Like as much as I disagree with this decision, I think it's resoundingly stupid. I love it because it is chaos baseball, and I love chaos baseball. If if after the game Joe Madden came out and was just like, because I fucking wanted to, because I fucking hate watching Corey Seager play baseball, because I wanted to confuse the shit out of them and make Mitch Garver think that we think he sucks and I wanted to see Corey Seager you know swing at a bunch of pitches because we made him think that he was off awesome. like some just like wildly stupid just outrageous answer that you could just be like ah Joe Madden so fucking fun love that it would be great we, we'd all enjoy it we'd laugh and be like yeah you won the game good for you but it's just like you gave us nothing and so we just have to assume you're dumb sorry Okay, so I'm going to look up why Joe Madden did what he did, but I actually have a really good reason if I was him and and wanted to say something smart, I guess, maybe that no one could argue. All right, right. Here's my rational defense, my my politicking defense of what he did. Ready? Uh, Oh, what's this fucking guy's name? Austin, Austin Warren. Uh, Austin Warren got brought into a real tough spot. That was unfair. You know, it's, it's tough for relievers to come in with the bases loaded. It's a very difficult position for him to be in. And he does not have a lot of major league experience. This is only his uh, first year, second year up with the big league club. So I wanted to give him every advantage possible to help build his confidence. And I figured facing a righty would be a little bit easier for him mentally than facing a lefty. I wanted to take the pressure off of him of allowing a run by taking that decision out of his hands. There you go. But I, all right. So now I Googled what he actually said. Cause I, I, God damn it. I am curious. And why give conjecture when we can just fucking Google it? Uh, let's see. Okay. So here's what he said. Quote, I thought by walking Seeger, it would avoid the big blow. And just to stir the group up, quite frankly, it's not something you normally do. I thought by going up there and doing something like that, the team might respond to something like that. <laughs> so it's actually what you said, which is fuck you. I wanted to. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I can't feel bad now. That's great. That's amazing. I thought it's true. And okay. You know what? Though? If that's okay, his reason, I thought it's true. The pot. 
if that's it, then you know what? Actually, it did work because they won the game. Maybe that was it. Joe Madden, 200 IQ. Love to see it. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Wow. We have had so much fun stuff to talk about. Never this is so This is so much better than lockout baseball where we just complain for 45 minutes. Oh, what do you want to talk about, Josh? I don't know. What is there to talk about? <laughs> the sad despair know. of death. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, all right. Last thing real quick on the way out, unless you have any other thoughts about Joe Madden. No. Uh, Alyssa Nakin, Nakin. I never know how to pronounce her last name. I've never heard anyone say it. Uh, became the first coach, first female coach on the field in MLB history. We've had a few female coaches in MLB organizations, some strength and conditioning coaches, um, some, I think, hitting coaches we've had. But uh, Alyssa Natkin becomes the first woman to be on field as she performed first base coaching duties for the Giants uh, just last week um, after the Giants' normal first base coach got tossed. I don't remember why. Um, Not too much to say about it because this wasn't planned. It was history made Mm -hmm. by accident. But uh, still coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. But like by circumstance, Um, circumstance is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So but still a great achievement and shows that the the fact that there was a woman in that position to be the person who just happened to go up. That's a systemic success or an organizational success, I should say. Right. Like the fact that it was. It's not made for a headline. Right. She just happened to be the person who would go up there that is good that's what's supposed to happen it's supposed to be like having yeah thank you thank you for finishing my sentences for once Um, instead of the other way around big steps big steps (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is exactly how it's supposed to work so the fact that it is almost a little underwhelming honestly is probably a good thing so yeah shout outs to Alyssa Nakin shout outs to the Giants Um, cool stuff getting to end on a positive note today uh, all right, so this is a world of shit that's happened in the past couple of weeks. We have been busy, whatever. We'll probably just honestly ignore it if it didn't. If it happened before today's recording, we didn't talk about it. As far as this podcast is concerned, didn't happen. Uh, we're moving on. So Thursday, we'll be back, we'll be back to usual business. So, uh, yeah, life goes on. If you'd like to follow the show, in the meantime, on Twitter, you can do so at Juice and Pod. I'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter. You can do so at Corwin Heller. If you can follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you can send emails to the show, you can do so at uh, juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.